Hey, everybody. This is Alexa just popping in to say that there were some technical difficulties while recording this episode. So if you hear an echo in the background, my apologies. I'm hoping to get it fixed for the next episode, but hopefully you can just ignore it and enjoy everything you're about to hear. Silence and solitude are underrated and often blatantly ignored gifts in society today. But what if silence and solitude are actually the answer to some of your deepest longings? I'm Alexa Mason. Welcome to the Grace and Cherish podcast. Welcome to the Grace and Cherish podcast, where we explore the role of hospitality in our homes and our lives. This is a podcast about hospitality, and it's about formation. We are all being formed into someone. The question is, who? Hello, everybody. It is good to be back for another week. We are continuing our conversation about spiritual formation and interior design. So let's jump in, grab your chai, and we're going to go. Now, I said this last week, but I want to say it again. There are many ways our homes can participate in the spiritual formation process. But you might be saying, okay, but what what does it actually mean? Now, the way I see it, we are constantly being impacted and formed by our environments. And I think you'd agree. Our environments, our habits, our relationships with people, our workplaces, the media we engage in, all of it impacts us. And some of those impacts are positive. They help to form us into people who offer love and care to others. They help us to become more humble, wanting to think about others and not just ourselves. Counseling, for example, forms us, helping us to become more aware of who we are, what's impacted who we are, and how to continue becoming who we desire to be and who we think the Lord is leading us to be. I love counseling, so that's why I had to use it as an example. But we can see that there are many positive ways that we are formed. Our environments can also serve us in this way. We can use our environments, our homes, to help form us into people of greater love and presence. There are many ways to do this. And today, we're going to talk about another element of design called negative space and its connection to the practice of silence and solitude, which is one way that we can practice abiding. And as we talked about last week, abiding is essential to every part of our lives. Now, this episode is for everyone, and especially especially for those who have been or are feeling depleted. I pray that this is an encouragement to you as we consider what it means to enter into silence and solitude intentionally so we are able to first experience the loving gaze of the Father and return that gaze by attuning our own heart and mind, our eyes to Him. This is the first and most important reason to practice silence and solitude. It's about relationship with God. We see this in the life of Jesus, who would often speak about doing the will of his father. But we also see a regular practice of going away to be with his father, too. There's a rhythm of life here that I think we can all learn from. I'm going to use space, which, again, is an element of an interior design, and it's necessary to consider in any project. I'm going to be talking about negative space, which is also called white space. Um, The word negative throws me off. (laughs) anyone else, it throws me off. But it's called negative space and it all makes sense when you look at how it all works together, which we'll talk about in a second. But we're going to use that space and look at how it can help us in our spiritual formation. So first, what is negative space, which again is also called white space? 
Negative space is the space between pieces of furniture in a room or the empty space on a wall. The balance between negative, where there is nothing, and positive, where there is something, space, is thrown off, right? If you don't have, like without negative space or enough of it or enough positive space, that balance is thrown off. And so negative space is very important to have to really keep a good balance. Without negative space, it's hard to discern what's in a room, in particular, the focal point, which again, we talked about in the last episode. Negative space is that blank area where there is simply nothing. It's important um, as a design element because without it, a room can feel too cluttered and overwhelming. It can cause someone to feel a bit chaotic as opposed to peaceful, creative, thoughtful, or whatever other experience you're hoping you and the people who enjoy the room have. Unless, of course, chaos is what you're going for, in which case, (laughs) keep going. But But truly, negative space is important because it gives your eye a place to rest. And it can also help draw your attention to the object or view you're supposed to see. Negative space is necessary for all design. Whatever your style preference is, even if you're more of a maximalist, 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 (laughs) and you tend toward a more is more approach. Negative space is still important because blank space is always needed in our homes and it's needed in our lives, especially when we are seeking to follow the way of Jesus. Now, when I thought about negative space and how it serves the overall design of a room, helping to draw attention to the thing you want to actually see and to be a place of visual rest for one's eye, I couldn't help but remember a phrase that came to me when I first began exploring the connections between interior design elements and hospitality and spiritual formation. The phrase, which you may have heard me say before, is be before doing. And if I had to describe how I try to approach hospitality and really what I'm, how I'm trying to approach all of my life, this is it. Be before doing. I wholeheartedly believe that in order to be hospitable, we have to know how to be. We weren't created to be in a constant state of doing. We are invited to a rhythm of life that consists of being and doing and being and doing. And I believe that silence and solitude are a practice of Jesus that we, as students of him, need to follow. Now, John Mark Comer is an author uh, based out in Portland, and I've heard him use the term apprentice of Jesus. And I love that language because an apprentice is someone who learns from someone else who is more skilled in the work that they want to do. They study with them, follow them, and learn from them. To me, that is that is what we do as people who are following Jesus. That's what we're, we're doing, and, and we're loving Jesus. And, we're, and because we love Jesus and because we believe in Jesus, we want to watch what he does, he, listen to what he says, to follow his ways and the ways that he lived. And I propose that to know how to show hospitality, to offer a sense of welcome and service to others that is motivated by love and relationship, we have to be an apprentice of Jesus. And one thing we see from Jesus is that he sought silence and solitude. He sought to be with God. Practicing silence and solitude, looking at it as the negative or white space in our life that allows us to focus or to ground us is deeply formative. It is a beautiful opportunity to grow an awareness of God's love, of God's forgiveness, of God's holiness and goodness. And from this place of being, you, I, we are able to love and serve others from a place of greater wholeness, greater peace, greater joy, and greater love. And it's also a time to shed pretense. I mean, let's be real. Being with God and and just being in silence before God, it's a time for honesty, which helps us to become more honest people in the rest of life too. And this is so important. And I say it as someone who constantly has to shed that and has to be willing to say like, no, I'm going to just be straight up 
straight up here. And it's not that I'm someone who wants to lie or by any means like that. It's more so coming from a place of that fear of being fully known, even though you desperately desire it. But when we spend time with God who does fully know us, that gives us so much more strength and freedom and the healing necessary to go out and to offer that in the rest of our life too. Consider how your mind, your mental state changes when you lack negative space in your life. Consider your physical body's response when you aren't able to draw away from the noise and hurry of life. What about spiritually? What happens when you aren't able to simply be? We have to be aware that, you know, it isn't easy to create space in our our lives, right? There is so much that fights against it, whether you're, I mean, when we're in a pandemic, then there's there's just the the working. If you have children and you're working, I recently sp- heard from some friends who are just like, it is very difficult to have young children in school, but then having to leave school and stay home because they're sick. And with COVID, there's so much going on where if you're exposed, having to go home, which is not a bad thing. I'm thankful for the educators and administrators who are doing their best to try to get kids in school and also try to protect them health-wise. And with that, we also have to hold the reality that it's very hard for parents who are trying to work and don't have access to the childcare they need and, and other things like that. Like it is very hard when you have so much going on. And that's just one example. I'm sure there are many that y'all could list as, as things that make it difficult to create space in our lives. There's going to be so much that fights against it. And honestly, those are some of the bigger issues. I'm, I was thinking the other day about one of the ways that I'm being formed, which is Amazon Prime. I love Amazon Prime. I'm happy to pay their yearly fee so I don't have to wait longer to receive the items I order from them. In fact, the other day, this is embarrassing, but I'll tell you, the other day I was ordering an interior design book that, you know, I'd been debating getting it for weeks and yada yada. And finally, I decided to buy it. And as I went to purchase, there was a note that said I could get it that day if I paid $35. So I then wasted 20 minutes trying to find another item that I could buy so that I could get the book the same day. I finally found something. I added it to the cart. I go to pay for it (laughs) only to find out that I had to pay an extra delivery fee in order to get that same day delivery. But I didn't want to do that. And then I had asked myself, I'm like, wait, why did you need it today anyway? I literally sat there at the computer and had this moment of like, why? were you trying to get it today anyway? Do you need it? And the reality was, is I didn't. I didn't actually need the book that day. I just wanted it that day. I saw the opportunity to not have to wait and I wanted to take it because I could. And this is, again, a small example compared to some of the very real things that people are experiencing. But I realized that it's things like this, the opportunity to get things faster, you know, not having to wait that are forming me. And while I'm praying to God for, you know, patience, to be a woman of patience with my kids or and waiting on God to answer prayers or when I ask, you know, for for forgiveness for when I'm just so easily distracted, which leads to such me becoming easily frustrated at so and so for taking longer than I wanted in the target return line or whatever it is. I realized that I was growing entitled to something that is not promised to me. My habits are centered around getting things quickly. And I don't say this to shame myself or or you, if you can relate. Shame does not help us. But I did see it as a gentle warning, in a sense. This simple observation of my Amazon purchases made me stop to consider how I might want to start adding in some habits in my life that force slowness, where the expectation isn't a speedy delivery, but a patient anticipation. 
So when it comes to silence and solitude, the act of removing yourself from noise and others to steal away, to simply be with God, growing an intimate relationship, and as author Ruth Haley Barton says, she says, in loving union with God, we must remember that this isn't about Amazon priming our relationship with God. This is about slow and steady relationship building, coming before God, being with God, not so we can get what we need and leave, but so we can simply be present with him. It requires that we linger longer with God. And to do this, which is why I was bringing up the fact that it is hard to get to this place of creating space, it it requires practice. It isn't easy, especially when everything around us, whether big real life situations regarding, you know, working and COVID and children at home and school and all of that. Or if it's as simple as realizing like, oh my goodness, I'm addicted to getting things quickly and need to stop. Whatever it is, it takes practice. It's really difficult when everything around us entices us toward a life of hurry and quickly getting what we want. Showing hospitality isn't always easy. In fact, it is often inconvenient. But that's where the gift of presence with God reveals itself all the more, in my opinion. The more we're with God, the more those inconveniences can be met with grace and generosity, with patience, with joy, with a willingness to say yes when we may have wanted to say no. And also with greater discernment that helps us to also feel freedom in saying no when we might feel pressure or shame and thus say yes, which we'll go more into that in a second. I recently read the book, The Deeply Formed Life by Rich Villatis. And in the second half of his book, he mentions the phrase, be before doing, in regard to our need to be with God, being formed in and by God before we go out and do. And honestly, when I read it, I stopped. First, because I felt like I was an imposter. And I was like, Alexa, you you came to that be before doing before you ever read this book. It's okay. But I read it and I was like, wait a minute, this man who I don't know personally, I have I have a great respect for what I have read and heard from him. I, I think there's a lot of wisdom that he offers us and I highly recommend the book. But when I read his words, the same words that I felt God had put in my heart long before I ever read his book, I just felt this sense of confidence moving forward that there must be something here. God's saying something about being, inviting me And not just me. That's why I'm here sharing this. It isn't just me or Rich that he's inviting, but I think it's all of us inviting us to be present to him before we do. Now, in his book, Rich also says, deeply formed mission is first about who we are becoming before what we are doing. Our most effective strategy in reaching a world for Christ is grounded in the kind of people we are being formed into. The quality of our presence is our mission. And I offer that to practice silence and solitude is an opportunity to practice being present to God, and this practice will enable us to be present to others. As I prepared notes to share these thoughts, the phrase, come away with me, kept returning to my mind. In this sacred time of being, there, our great need to belong, to know we are worthy, to know we are known and accepted, it is, it is right there that those longings are met. And when we have those needs met in Christ— We aren't seeking for them to be met by other people in unhealthy ways, because now we can, in a much healthier state, show hospitality and take the opportunity to partner with God, going from that intimate space out into the world to show his love unto others, letting your hospitality, your service toward others, not just be a kind gesture, but an arrow that points to the invitation we all have to be in relationship with God. God wants us to know his freedom, 
his joy, his love, his kindness, his mercy, his justice. I believe God uses community to help show us deep love. Friendship is powerful. Showing faithful and undemanding presence with close friends is a treasure. So when I say have our needs met in Jesus, I do not mean to say that he doesn't use people to fulfill that. He can and he does. But we have to be careful to remember that our friendships and if you're married, your your spouse, or if you're a parent, your children, or if you work, your coworkers, or if you're a person of influence, your audience, you cannot let them become your source of life. For that well will run dry. We must always remember that we can find great beauty and life and love in those people, but all of it is merely purpose to point us back to the one who is our true source of life. I emphasize this because it's a big deal. It is easy to burn out in doing good things. It is very, very difficult to persevere. And I think for some, myself included, that difficulty stems from our inability to say no when we need to. And this is what I was mentioning earlier. Many of us, again, maybe I just need to say myself, but you may relate. We struggle to set boundaries, to know what is our work and what is not. We go, go, go instead of saying, let me serve and now let me go away with God. Let me be in God's presence, see where God may be directing me. And from that place of simply being present and then listening to God's direction, you can discern your next step. Silence and solitude will help us to be formed in God's presence as we grow in relationship, which is most important. And then from there, we can more freely move as the Spirit leads. Again, the word invitation comes up a lot to me when I think of hospitality. I think hospitality is an invitation. And the good news is when we are in a place of receiving our approval from God and not burning ourselves out in our doing so as to earn approval from others, then we don't place as much responsibility on ourselves for the outcomes. It doesn't mean we don't care. We absolutely do. But we realize that, you know, what's in our control and what isn't. We can work hard and we should. We need to work diligently and give the best of what we have. But we can also remain unbothered and not easily offended if we're rejected or if someone is disappointed because we aren't doing what they think we should do. Because our worth isn't tied to our hospitality or others' opinions of us. Our offering of hospitality is merely that, an offering to God and to others. What happens after is the Spirit's work. I, you, we are just the faithful messengers. Silence and solitude can come in many forms, and I am not here to to prescribe what it has to be. There is a book called Invitation to Silence and Solitude by Ruth Haley Barton, which I will link in the show notes. And this book was my first deep dive into understanding and practicing silence and solitude. I remember so vividly the sense of invitation, and I will share a bit of that story in case it's something that perhaps speaks to you. I sensed that God was inviting me into something, but I wasn't sure to what. I recall standing at our previous house in Portland, doing the dishes late at night and listening to a sermon by Pete Scazzaro, where again, I sensed a prompting. And this was the third time that I was listening to something and couldn't ignore this feeling. So it wasn't the third time I listened to Pete Scazzaro, but just the third time I'd been listening to a Christian speaker on something. I don't even remember. They were all three different subjects, but yet I kept feeling the same sense of like, I need to respond. 
So at this point, it was the third time and it was so strong that I stopped what I was doing as I was washing my dishes. I stopped and I just start talking as I'm looking out my window that was above our kitchen sink. And I just say out loud, Lord, I know you're inviting me into something, but I don't know what. Please show me. Please. And to think back on it, I can only imagine what my neighbors or anyone who may have been passing by would have thought if they happened to look at our house in that moment as I'm you know, having this conversation myself over the kitchen sink. It probably looked funny because I was exasperated and I'm talking to myself because I was pleading. I was begging for answers. Now, at that specific moment, Brandon and I were actually in a season of discernment. We were trying to figure out whether or not we should move again. It would have been our third cross-country move in about three years, and we hadn't even lived in our current home for a year. We were crazy. Like, that's what it felt like. We felt, we felt dumb. We felt crazy. But we sensed that perhaps we were supposed to leave. All of our attention and focus was on that. So, honestly, as I was pleading with God, I was looking for an answer that had to do with that. Or I was like, maybe it has to do with grace and cherish and how to move forward because I really didn't know what to do. I was looking for answers that had to do with these other things. And though they were important, it turns out they weren't the point. A few days after that kitchen sink moment, I was reminded of a book that my coworker recommended to me, but I had never read. It was called The Invitation to Silence and Solitude, the one I mentioned previously. And so right away I knew this was the invitation. God was inviting me to be with him. I opened up the book and it literally had those words in there. And I just spoke to me that I was like, this is it. And the thing is, it wasn't about our decision to move or the future of Grace and Cherish. The invitation was about something deeper. And it wasn't that those things didn't matter, but to truly move forward with those or with anything in my life, my marriage, my parenting, my friendships, my work, whatever, this invitation to be with God was an invitation to come into his presence, to be met by God, to meet God, to, to, to willingly say, I am here. I say yes to this invitation. It was a time to enter into you know, being deeply known and getting to know God too. As I mentioned in the Focal Points episode, this was about abiding. I wanted answers to significant, life-altering questions, and the answer was an invitation to abide. It was an invitation to a journey of a lifetime of deep formation. Perhaps you are being invited to do the same. Silence and solitude were not my natural desire. But over the years, that has changed. Honestly, (laughs) I think becoming a mother to young children expedited the process. (laughs) I love being with them. I also understand how limited I am as a person and how much I do need silence and solitude. So even just in a practical sense, it is good. I'm a much better mother (laughs) with it. But truly, as I've matured, I've seen the gift, the beauty, and the need for silence and solitude beyond just from a motherhood standpoint. I think it relates to all of us. So my journey began and it continues today. Sometimes it's a walk in the neighborhood. Sometimes it's walking through a forest because I love getting out in nature. Sometimes it's at a coffee shop. To be honest, these days, my time of silence and solitude is usually just me sitting on my couch while my kids are resting or if I've woken up early. I sit with my chai and I stare off in our apartment living room. My eyes are usually fixated on either a chair where the sunlight hits our rug or like where the sunlight hits our rug. It's just, just I love our rug. It's my favorite colors and it's, you know, it just makes me think of fall and there's just something about it. So that like the aesthetic of it and just it, it, it really connects me and allows me to focus on the Lord. And so for me, it's not anything crazy. It's, it's not getting to go away for a weekend. Although, hey, if you can do that, do it. That would be wonderful. But 
for those of you like me who are like, I, I don't, I can't do that right now. Just finding a space, which we will get to a little bit later um, in a second, actually, but just finding a space where you can just sh- practice shutting out, you know, all of the thoughts and the distractions that are seeking to deny you that time with God. Just, just show up. It takes practice, but just show up. It can be two minutes. It can be two hours. Like, hey, if you got that time, go for it. But just start. If it's standing in your bathroom and just taking a moment, do it. If you're able to get up a little earlier, even just 10 minutes, which is a struggle for even me at times, so I'm with you if you don't like that idea, but but even just 10 minutes, then then do it. There is so much that will get in the way, but I hope you'll try. And I pray that as you do, that you know deep in your soul that that even just that one moment to silence before God, to silence yourself before God that his loving and merciful gaze is already on you. So I just briefly mentioned this before, but I have another bringing it home exercise. This time it's all about negative space. So last week we talked about focal points. This time we're talking about negative space and the bringing it home exercise is this. Find a spot where there is negative space in your home. And again, that's like empty space. So if it's a spot on your wall, the empty space, you know, behind a a sofa or next to a photo or whatever, or if it's the space in between two chairs in your room or a living room and a coffee table, whatever it may be, just find something that represents negative space in your home and look at it. Slowly take a deep breath. Now let that space serve as a reminder of your need to be silent, to draw away. Again, I hope that you have the chance to to really draw away, to change, you know, your your set wherever you you are. Like go out and get to be in a cabin in a forest. How wonderful or on the beach. That'd be awesome. But we don't always have that. So find a place in your home. Look at it and let it help you to drown out the noise around you, to center yourself, fixing your mind on Christ. Let it serve as a reminder to you that you're going to put down the phone, the book, the dishes, or their homework and Be present in silence, coming before the Lord, knowing that he is with you, that even in these silent moments, you are being formed into the likeness of Christ. You are spending time with love, and that is changing you. No, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We ain't ever going to be perfect. But that's not the point. Our perfection isn't the point. Being with the Lord does change us. His word says so. So find that place and let it be that reminder to you, that encouragement. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Grace and Church podcast. To recap today's episode, I defined negative space in interior design, and we discussed its importance in design and how it can serve as a reminder to be before doing as we seek to become people who learn to rest and be people of love. You can find links to the books that I mentioned in this episode, and I'll include the exercise I shared at the end of this episode. All of it will be on the website at www.graceandcherish.com. Now, as we end, I leave you with this prayer. May you know his grace and cherish every moment with him. Until next time. You can find links to the books I mentioned in this episode, along with some examples of negative space and interior design, on the website at www.graceandcherish.com. I'll also include the exercise that I shared at the end of this um, episode just a second ago, the bringing it home exercise.
You can find the links to the books I mentioned in this episode, along with some examples of negative space and interior design and the exercise I shared at the end of this episode, all on the website at www.graceandcherish.com. I really do appreciate when, you know, any rating, reviews, subscribing, all of that helps the podcast, helps me with the podcast. So if you want to do that, if this is something that you value, please share it with a friend, rate it, review it, all that good stuff. I greatly appreciate that. And of course, I love to connect with you. My email is hello at graceandcherish.com or find me on Instagram at graceandcherish. I would love to get to connect with you and just hear the different ways that the Lord has been working in you as you seek to practice silence and solitude in your everyday life. Now, as we end, as always, I'll leave you with this prayer. May you know God's grace and cherish every moment with him. Talk to you soon.